So we all know, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the couple with the baby carriage. But then, what happens when they split up? Today, we're gonna dig into what exactly happens after divorce. Our guest is going to teach us how to thrive and not just survive after Splitsville. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm doing crazy. Today's guest, Dr. Toyin Falusi, is an infectious diseases physician and a professor of medicine. In November 2017, she published her first book, The Decade After, Thriving After Divorce, a book that empowers women to put the children first and get better, not bitter, from the divorce process. Her book, written 12 years after her divorce, has been well received with outstanding reviews. In October 2019, she launched her podcast, 10 Minutes with Tim Fowl, short podcasts on personal growth, health, parenting, and other serious topics presented with candor and humor. You can find out more about her at www.thedecadeafter.com and visit her on social media at Dr. T. Fowl. So I told you she was amazing, right, guys? So aside from being a doctor... Toyin Falusi is here with us today. So we're talking about her book. We are talking about something that we tackle a lot on this podcast. You know, one of the things we talk about here at I Know I'm Crazy with Naja Hall is co-parenting, remarriage, divorce, separation, step-parenting, um, mental illness, mental health, all that jazz. And so today we are focusing on what happens after a divorce. What 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 happens after a divorce? And a lot of times, you know, we we focus on the dads, the stepmoms, the kids, but we don't talk about her. We do not talk about the woman that was a part of the partnership. And so Dr. Falusi, do I call you Toyin, Dr. Falusi? Like, what do I call you? Because I, I love just, calling, I love calling just, my doctor friends doctor to show that I have doctor friends. So okay, like, do what do you? You can call me <laughs> Dr. Toya, you can call me Toyin. I it's like all Dr. Toy. Okay. So okay, Dr. Toy, let's we're, do we're, it. <laughs> so guys, we're talking about her book today, The Decade After, Thriving After Divorce. So what's yeah. the motivation behind the book? And that's such an open-ended question. I hate when people ask me mm-hmm. that, but <laughs> I find I find that kind of it kind of lets the conversation flow. So flow. what's the motivation behind you writing this book? Okay. Thank you so much for that, Naja. I wrote it a decade, 12 years after my divorce, and it was very cathartic for me to write it. And, you know, the cover has surviving and kind of crossed out because a lot of times after a divorce, you know, you ask people, it's kind of like, yeah, how you doing? I'm I'm surviving. I'm hanging. I'm holding on. And I just, you know, there's such a huge difference between surviving and thriving you know surviving is you know just continuing to exist right despite hardship or danger you're just hanging on you're you know making it through holding on but thriving is to grow and develop vigorously to flourish Mm. right to prosper to blossom to bloom and so my motivation was twofold one was about the children to make sure that after a divorce whatever we do we can minimize the impact and damage that may happen from divorce through Mm -hmm. our parenting of those kids, Mm -hmm. because I I got divorced with two young kids. But second of all, to grow from that process and to get better, not bitter, 
right? Yes. Think of it as a lot of our growth comes through adversity and the adversity of divorce is real, but how can you grow from that experience to become a better, finer version 2.0 of yourself, navigating the world as, yes, I'm divorced, but I am more than my divorce. I am more than my failed marriage. I am more than something that didn't work out. This is me moving forward. And how do I change that narrative, the stigma, all the stuff around divorce? So it really was to empower women that this is a period where, like you said, we focus on the kids, we focus on a lot of things, and we forget mm -hmm. ourselves as women. And how yes. do we continue to grow and get better, not bitter, from the adversity of divorce? So it was twofold, the kids and also you as a person, getting better and not staying stuck. So then you mentioned something. How do we grow? How do I get, how do I become better and not bitter? Because I feel like, you know, once a separation divorce happens, you, that mm -hmm. overwhelming fear, feeling of failure, oh, it overwhelms real. you. And then you're humiliated and then you're grieving because mm -hmm. of the death of a family. And then you're mm -hmm. guilty because of your children. Like there's all of these feelings that yes. are compounded. And I've seen divorce make a lot of people bitter especially the woman because typically the woman becomes a custodial mom and so now mm -hmm. you know dad can kind of go off and have an easier life and maybe he has time to go and get therapy or he's taking care mm -hmm. of himself he has a chance to kind of heal but mom mm -hmm. you still have to mom and you go in the bathroom and mm -hmm. cry and you still got yes. to do homework and take the kids to school you still oh, have no. to figure mm -hmm. it out how in the heck did you not become bitter <laughs> then Nasha, you just laid out all the stuff in the book and what that you know what you do, what you absolutely correct because I don't want to gloss over or glam over. Oh yeah, the growth part is just like oh yeah, it's just so easy because you brought up all those points that make it hard. You yeah. are hurting yourself. There's mm. a stigma attached that you feel like you failed at something, right? This is nobody goes into a marriage planning that at this point I'm going to get divorced. At least most people don't. So when that happens, it is the death of something. Divorce yes. high, ranks high in terms of things that affect our physical and mental health social mm. health you lose friends right you you have couple friends yeah. who choose sides you have family who think you failed at something you're trying to navigate that the shame the guilt of did i do something to my kids and then watching sometimes your partner or your ex move on and seeming all those things you said are real they're legit we talked about it and it's very important to acknowledge those things and grieve and and, and do what you need to do to, to mourn the loss of something because you don't want to gloss over that. But at so the same you time, mourn, though, simultaneously <laughs> while you, because it's like, you know, I understand mourning a deceased person. Um, and they mm -hmm. do say a marriage, a divorce is a death of a family, mm -hmm. but then your ex isn't dead. They're over there living their Correct. life, getting jiggy. <laughs> and <laughs> like you said, sometimes you have to watch them move on and it can piss you off, Dr. Toy. Oh, I, tell me about what are you that. supposed yes, to come from becoming yes, this woman that looks bitter and calling him and say wow i saw you posted a picture and i'm here i've gained weight carrying your kids and now you're out with this skinny woman or you know just things that us women can kind of dwell on how right. the heck do you not like what are you supposed to do in those moments correct those moments will happen though that that is that is, and sometimes you think you're past that you know so you know just like stages of grief right we talk about you know there's denial and then there's bargaining then you finally mm -hmm. accept and all of that stuff but there are going to be times when everybody's timeline is different so just like every marriage is different every separation every divorce every every so never compare yourself to anybody's timeline don't let anybody tell you that okay you know what now it's time to date now you should be done with the crying i cried for this 
it is your timeline and own that. And that's part of that growth process is it's good to get advice, but you have to be careful about where it's coming from. It's good, but you have to know mm-hmm. yourself and not put yourself on anybody's timeline, feeling like, well, this person seemed to move on in a year. Why am I still this way in three years? Because you don't know the details of their marriage. You don't know how dark the divorce was. You don't know all kinds of trauma these people are going through. So just keep on your own timeline and know that it's okay. There are times when for weeks on end, every you're kind of doing okay. You're you're doing okay mentally. You're doing okay. The kids mm-hmm. seem to be doing okay. And, and then it hits you. It just boom. Hits you there's again. a trigger. And, and you're just like, this, yeah. So part of that <laughs> is identifying your triggers. Sometimes yes. there's situations, there's emotions tied to certain places you guys used to be. Holidays are always a big trigger when oh, all of a sudden goodness. your traditions. So you have to create new traditions. Sometimes it's seeing a picture that takes you back in time. Sometimes it's people. There are people who, if you start to realize that every time you talk to this person or you're around this group of people, they make you feel less than, they make you feel, they trigger some emotion, they make you a negative energy. Part of that growth process is removing yourself from those situations. If certain people, it seems like they're either trying to make you feel worse than you did or mm-hmm. making you feel like they're here to, you know, if you don't tell them stuff, they can't help you. Figuring out those triggers and knowing that those times when they come, they they are, they will come because you're human. No matter how strong we are and how, you know, how positive we want to be, you're a human being. You're, you're mourning something. Your heart is, you know, the things that are going on. So it's important to acknowledge that, but also thinking that, you know what? My life has to go on and I don't want the trajectory. So when that happens, no matter where, you know, the divorce happens, everyone's, you know, declined for a little while. And I'm not talking about just financial, your emotional health, social, whatever it is. But then the question is, what trajectory? Are you just going to stay on that? Well, I'm divorced, so I'm going to operate at a lower level for the rest of my life because that's Mm -hmm. how society sees me. Or am I going to over time get back to where I was and even exceed that because I've learned from whatever this adversity. You've got to fight. You got to fight your way out. Think about how many people, skills they didn't even knew that they didn't even know they had come up during those times where you didn't even think all of a sudden your financial savviness comes up some skill that you didn't know you figure out oh my god i didn't know i could negotiate like that Mm -hmm. you're Mm -hmm. figuring out how to (laughs) negotiate for your kids for yourself you're bargaining you're you're getting skills that you know things you didn't even know you find joy in things that maybe since childhood you haven't danced whatever it is that brought you joy when you were a kid go back to those places find those things and then really realizing that, you know, have a support system. It doesn't have to be a huge bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Therapy if you need it, right? Yes, Therapy is very, very important. important. And it could be from one person, it could be in a group setting, but again, knowing yourself because your last three friends who got a divorce went to group therapy. That may not work for you. Maybe a person who needs one-on-one. Mm-hmm. One-on-one may not work for you. Maybe somebody that likes to share and listen. But don't right, feel right. like you have to do what the next person did. Because right. you're very different from that next person. And taking time to care for yourself. Women, we run around a lot. We do all these things. But really, Keeping ourselves think busy about- and distracted as opposed to taking care right. of ourselves. And yeah. that distraction can also be the people we love the most. And you know, people can't go think of distractions as, as the bad things that we know. Distractions right, right. could be people we love and care about. But exactly. knowing that when we are rested, 
and we take some time, just private time, quiet space, early before they're up or late before, whenever it is, finding a friend to watch the kids so you can go exercise, take a walk, dance, do whatever mm -hmm. it is you need to do. Because when you're in a better state of mind, you're a better mom, you're a better person to be around. So taking time to know yourself, taking some time to dig deep, because, you know, a lot of times you think about for most of us, you know, from you're dating, you're dating, then you get married, then you have kids, and then you, you can't remember the last time you actually said, who am I? Who, mm. who, who is this person, this amazing person? And sometimes divorce is that hard stuff, right? That lets you the kind of really stop. take stock. I like that. Of, it is. Yeah. To like, wait a minute, you know, this is You're like, this like you what said, I planned. <laughs> so basically through the process with you, it was kind of, you were forced to have to redefine who Dr. Toy is beyond right. being now an ex-wife, a, a mother, exactly. and a, you know, okay. A doctor, so, like, what does she a like? Doctor, what does she who is want? she? You know, it's what like getting acquainted what with makes her, Yes, like, yes. hello there. <laughs> so my, let's switch gears a little bit. We're going to switch gears. Okay. Um, How did you know that your marriage had come to an end? Because that's a big, marriage is a big commitment, but so is divorce and making that decision. How did you know? So in our case, I, you know, it's never mutual, no matter what anyone says, yeah, maybe that you both come to an agreement, but usually one person is ahead of the, of the other. In our case, it was decided it was done and it was mm -hmm. done and it was a very quick process. So some divorce are, divorces are drawn out for years and years oh, yeah. because there's custody battles, there's financial battles and all that. I'm, I was privileged in the sense that my co-parents, and I use the word co-parent, not ex, and I'll tell you why I do that. My mm -hmm. co-parents and I were able to, in a, in a timely manner, decide very quickly around the financial stuff that needed to happen and also the parenting agreement and the joint parenting agreement. Even though I was the custodial parent and and he had visitation uh every other weekend and but and how did you know that did. it was over like what was the telltale sign because that's probably a lot of people that are listening to this right now especially yes. with the title of this podcast that are saying yes. how did she know because they might too be in a place where they are at a Correct. at a crossroads Correct. so just what so are for, some ways and maybe not you specifically yeah um yes. but how is a person is a woman is a mother mm -hmm. to know that it's time right. to call it quits. Yes. And so it's very varied for a lot of people. Very varied. And like I said, you know, sometimes it's quick and sometimes it's long drawn out, the timing of what happens. For some people, it has to do with what going into the marriage agreement, just like in a work contract, right? What the deal breakers are. Are there certain things that are deal breakers? If these happen, this is over. If right. there, so some people, there's, abu I mean, abuse, gambling, things that make it such that it's not a healthy environment for you as a woman or as the kids. And, you know, for a lot of people, because it's a contract and a commitment, people will try a lot of things. They will try mm -hmm. therapy, they'll try counseling. But at some point, both people have to be invested in making a marriage work. You can do right. all the therapy. If it's one-sided, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So a lot of it has to do with what people have going into the marriage, what their agreements were, where they are in the process, how committed they are to trying it and making it work. And sometimes one person is done. If that person is done and not committed to making it work, 
the main thing is now that other person accepting and going through that process. They will be in denial for a while. Then yeah. they'll bargain and say, are we sure it's done and this, and, and then eventually get into that acceptance. And for some women, um, sometimes it's hard to get into that acceptance part. And so things can be drawn out. And even when, it, no matter who calls it quits, who decides this is done, divorce is hard and so when people look at a woman after a divorce that seems to be doing well and she seems like the kids seem okay and they're like well you took the easy way out I say to anyone that anyone who thinks divorce is an easy way out hasn't gone through a divorce Mm. I honestly believe that if you think it's a reason no matter who calls it because at that point you're making a decision based on something that will impact other people, especially if you have children involved. So a lot of, there's not a single answer about when you know, a lot of times people know in their guts that this is done. And the question is, is it worth fighting for? If it is worth fighting for, is the other person committed to fighting for it? Is this something that is non-negotiable? Is this something that is harmful where fighting for it is actually not for the benefit of, of anyone in that situation? And that's where all of the stuff around that, that comes with that. A lot of people sometimes stay longer than both parties should because of the stigma and all the all they've seen about what happens to their friends or sometimes how they've treated their friends who got divorced and they're just mm-hmm. like ah or the fear there's a lot of fear it's an unknown I have a friend who uses the analogy there's all this build up to marriage and you have your bridal shower then you had the next shower and then the wedding thing and there's a whole you know planning to that process the divorce part there's not a whole bunch of exactly yeah it's it's very not romantic and it feels like a funeral almost so in chapter two um you kind of go into the kids you in the the chapter two called you and the children and And i know it's so cliche dr toy and everybody says and especially when you consider co-parenting keep the kids first but we have to remember people we are not perfect um and that's not always possible especially when you're dealing with such an emotional devastating topic and i'm going to read a quick excerpt because this paragraph stood out to me and it helped me to understand you and i was like oh my god so it says my divorce wasn't perfect and i was mad at my co-parent for a long time but my overarching theme and driving force was putting the kids first i wanted and needed to beat the odds and get the kids to thrive just not survive Mm -hmm. and then i went on to read and because one of my questions for you also, and I'm sure anybody that's reading this book or hearing your vo- voice is they're going to say, well, Dr. Toy, you're a doctor, your yeah. child, your children's dad. He's a doctor as well, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. So you got two highly educated people with a nanny uh-huh. with a high income whose uh-huh. kids are thriving. How could mm-hmm. it be? How could divorce be hard for you? You had money. You had this, like, you know, that, I'm sure people have probably looked at you oh, and yeah. said that. So that's my question for you. Why was it so hard for two doctors that got money and thriving kids? Does your partner share kids with a loony? Are your stepkids driving you up a wall? Is your partner failing miserably at setting boundaries? Well, VIP Stepmom is where you need to be. We're an exclusive private community just for stepmoms, and we'd love for you to join our tribe. Each month, our members enjoy private conversations, podcasts, expert workshops, a subscription to Stepmom Magazine, and monthly live Zoom meetings. If you're ready to join a diverse community that is committed to making sure you live your best life, visit VIP Stepmom today. We'll save a seat for you. VIP, VIP, Stepmoms, that's you and me. 
Correct. <laughs> All right. And uh, you know, I own it. And one thing yeah. I am is I like to keep it real.com. And again, like I said, <laughs> no, seriously. And I said that I said, you know, some people might read this and be like, ah, oh, of course, duh, that's easy. And then I say, well, again, if you've never, if you've, uh, if you've, uh, if you think divorce is easy or it's okay and it's simple, then you haven't been through one because regardless of whatever you have going on in your success or your career, you're still a human being with a heart. And unless you had a contractual marriage where it was just like, you know, a business deal, when you have emotions involved and you have hearts involved, there is heartbreak and heartache regardless of, so it does make it easier to be able to to support, you know, mm-hmm. children and make sure they have some of the support that they need. But no matter what it is, even with, with high income people, um, your finances do take a hit because you're all of a sudden you're managing two homes, no matter what it is. And a lot of times for women, especially, they do take the hit. You know, when you look at finances after a divorce, women are more likely to have a decrease in their finances with divorce yes. overall. And their statistically. time and their energy. And their time. So, yes, yeah. I understand that. But then I also say, you know, if it was that easy, why would we have celebrities with contentious divorces, right? We look right, at divorces, right. we see stories about Brad Pitt and Jennifer. I mean, they didn't have kids. We look at all these couples with kids. We and see they, they have, have a lot of drama that, and they have a lot of and money. And they go a lot of drama. So money, yes, I, you know, no apologies that's for having that income. Be all, that's for sure. But it's not the end of be all because their hearts involved, children are involved. And sometimes that could even escalate it a lot because you're talking about high income people throwing, you know, the lawyers are there to just make yeah. money of both of and you. And you know, as you one have, of my favorite poets, yes. uh, Biggie Small said, more money, more <laughs> problems. More trouble, right? <laughs> because a lot of those divorces with high income people have to do with division of assets and people have a lifestyle they're accustomed to. They don't want to deal with that. The lawyers are trying to goad you guys on to do stuff. And then one of the things people do, especially high income, sometimes to kind of because you feel guilty about what you've done to the kids is buying them stuff, you know? And one of the things, even before I had kids, I was like, no matter what in my life, I don't ever want to ever be the mother of entitled or bratty kids. And sometimes with divorce, we do that. It's a competition. You're trying to buy the kids affection. People do that all the time. People will take out, not necessarily loans, but go above their means because they're trying to show that they are the better parents and all that. So there are lots of things that they and it's not a competition at all. And it's easier said than done, you know, but so uh, another thing that you address in your book and is, do you tell the kids what happened? How much detail do you give the kids? (laughs) So I'm going to read this passage. You said your children were seven when you got divorced and they didn't ask much and they would not have understood much about why the divorce occurred then as time went on however they did ask and your standard mm-hmm. response remained it doesn't <laughs> matter what happened what matters is that dad and i love you unconditionally maybe when you're older we can talk about it and the kids yeah. you said in the book you said the kids have held you to that and two days before your oldest daughter left for college he asked you if you she would ask if she would tell her what happened when she turned 18 <laughs> and you said when you started writing this book, you didn't know if it was going to be a tell-all. <laughs> so all these years, you have not told your children the true reason. And I noticed in the book, you didn't tell the reason you did no. uh, either. No. So all these years, your children do not know. Mm-mm. Why did you 
feel it important to not give them the details. Maybe defend yourself. Um, did their dad opt to tell them? And, you know, even better question. Yeah. If their no. father had said, you know what, I'm going to tell the kids what happened, maybe to paint himself in a different light to get a leg up. Uh-huh. <laughs> would you have felt the need to defend yourself or what would you have said in that case? I think it, w- I think it would have depended on um, if we both said, sure, let's talk to the kids about what happened because there was never really any reason to defend each other or defend mm-hmm. ourselves. And I just felt, and I still do feel, and, and one of the things that she's like, is this going to be a tell-all? It's like my book and the, the purpose of it was not about the details of the divorce, but the growth after the divorce. And I, I think it's very important to, for us as the adults in the relationship to think about the impact on the children, the ages that they are when the divorce happens, what they're emotionally capable of understanding and age-appropriate things, right? Because divorces, sometimes kids are really young, mine were much younger. Sometimes they're already older, they're already out of the house. So they're already adults and they can have that conversation. And I think sometimes there's also kind of like, this may or may not have been what happened, but what is the point is that whatever it is, your parents love you unconditionally, and, and so our commitment his, is his hair, to your growth. Here on this podcast, yes. we kind of deal with people that didn't have a yes. seamless divorce. They are dealing with yes. violence, they're dealing with contempt, high conflict. And yes. so my question was, if you have a co-parent Correct. that Correct. is dead set on painting you as the bad guy, oh, how do you yeah. respond? Do you defend yourself to your children? Do you tell them what really happened? How is a parent supposed to respond in, in the case where they have that type of co-parent? Type of so obviously that is, that is a co-parent that is not doing what you would want to do for the best interest of the kids. But I, I oh, know that that's that happens. Right. Correct. Right. <laughs> I know that. I, I know that that happens because again, you figure out why, are, why do people do that? I mean, some people not just go after their co-parent, they go after their co-parents, ex- new wife, they go after the co-parents, entire family because, but they're doing that out of hurt, right? They're doing yeah. that out of hurt. They're doing that out of like, this is one thing I can get, you know, get to get at them this is my payback. This is, you know, so you got to realize why they're doing that. You can't always change that. And if you're not able to have a conversation with that person, because all people can't even have a conversation to say, Hey, this is not helping anybody. It's harming the kids. And then people sometimes have to sit together and, and tell their side of the story to the kids. Sometimes people do that with therapists. If you think it's something that's above the, you know, something that a kid can comprehend, they have child therapists where you know, you don't, you know, you're not able to sit with your co-parent and tell the kids together because you guys aren't even talking. You can use a therapist, a third party who is able to help you see how the kid is processing the emotion, how they can understand breaking it down in in ways that they can understand without giving them the sordid details. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just a lot for the kids because regardless, you know, most kids, inherently love both of their parents so the more they're getting stuff and the other person is trying to defend themselves people may think that they're they're just trying to clear their name or or whatever it is but that is a lot of conflict in that kid's mind right even if they're grown kids and so assisting somebody who is an objective third party and that may be a therapist that may be a counselor because family members are rarely objective Right, they're really, gonna come guys, with um, people. Please do not call like, your BFF or your auntie and ask them. They're to like, be like, they're gonna be like, 
with do their teachers. I'm team this person. I'm team dad. I'm team no mom. matter so, what. Yes. <laughs> yes, I have seen some explosions happen when people try to do that. Yes, yes, yes it, it is. And you know, even when, even though you know, you have one person who may be more committed to making sure the kids are okay. It doesn't mean that other person is on the same page. You know, one person takes the lead and says, you know what, this is what we need to do for the kids. So this is what I'm reading. This is what you should do. This is what's going to help, um, you know, making sure that as much as you can, you communicate. Communication is what probably a lot of times was missing or went wrong in marriages and, and it ends. So it's hard to have communication now that you're divorced but if you can't talk on the phone because it's hard initially use email use some some courts have apps that you can use to make sure that you know things are being monitored if you can't communicate that way just so that you know and then have your own ways of venting because seamless is i don't want to say it was seamless it was fast so it wasn't run over three or four years like sometimes Mm -hmm. it is but it was still very painful and it was hurtful and things happened but having who it is that's going to be your therapy and your therapy could be your your friends a small group of people you do need to have places where you can cry and vent and cuss if you need to because you're human but it doesn't have to be you know the kids don't have to see every emotion you're going through in real time because that's a lot of pressure on them Mm-hmm. It really is. Right. It really is. So uh, one of my favorite parts, you know, there's a lot of favorite parts in the book. I <laughs> and I use a lot of doctor, doctor analogies and humor. Humor like, is my coping mechanism. I yeah, swear. I I'm 12 sometimes. <laughs> so um, I think it's chapter four and you're talking about the divorce and other people. Cause you know, we talk about the parents and the kids, but then you have all these other people. And mm-hmm. I realize that in dealing with harm, hard situations in our lives, sometimes those other people who we're not really close to, it seems like their opinions and opinions of us can Ooh. just be so suffocating. Yeah. And you talk in the book about how to cope with the reaction of your divorce. But one of my favorite parts is not falling into the hierarchy that other people mm. try to put you in of single moms. And so, okay, yeah, what she says is, and excuse my language, people, she says, mm. don't buy into that bullshit about the hierarchy of single moms. You know what I'm talking about. And then you go on to list the hierarchy. Like, mm-hmm. and you say the widow. Because I've mom. heard it. Oh. Yes. And so the, it's like, so if we're going to do the hierarchy single moms, how you broke it down and she, and we're not going to go into detail guys. You got to get the book for that. Oh, but you got to get the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just to go over the hierarchy, you know, it seems like the highest form of single mom would be that widow. You know, it's like she was married and then her partner has passed on. So she automatically gets a lot of sympathy, empathy, and compassion. And then next is the the divorced single mother, meaning I'm not a baby mama. I was married. It just didn't work out. And then next is the single mother by choice, meaning, you know, a woman who is successful, older or or not, and she just wanted to become a mother and she maybe needed a sperm donor or she was single by choice. And then at the bottom of the barrel is a young or teen single mother, meaning she didn't have plan to have kids and she's struggling. And so. I thought about that and I was like, oh, my God, because I, I you know, sometimes when I divorce, when I coach divorced women or single mothers they will be sure to point out to me that mm-hmm. I'm not just a baby mama or I was married and I tried or he told me he was going to marry me you know 
And I'm like, well, I'm not judging you because of that. Because either right. way, we're well, still here at the do. same end result. Oh. How is a woman supposed to look past that no matter where she is on this so-called mm-hmm. hierarchy, Dr. Toy? Mm-hmm. I, and I, that is society. And you heard it. You see it. You, you oh, get to yes. talk about it. And it is just, and I mean, and if you think about it, this judgment is coming from other women. Other and you got to say women. other women, right? So I have yeah. a whole thing about we need to support each other, right? Half mm-hmm. of the judgment and why people stay in marriages and trapped in situations that they should be out of is because they don't want to deal with anything. They don't want the judgment of the other women. They don't want the stigma attached with divorce. They don't want all that. And it's this other women, right? And yeah. so I, I feel like that we have to get past that bullshit. We really have to, because yeah. regardless of how old we are, young, old, you know, socioeconomics, race, occupation, sexual orientation, whatever it is, mm-hmm. what unites us as women, if we're raising children, is that we want to be the best we can be for our children. We want our yes. kids to be well-adjusted. We want them to grow up to be compassionate people who are able to take care of themselves and grow and navigate in the world. So if you, when we do this and we do, you see it on the playgrounds, people put, get into cliques and they know what mom is married. What mom, it is those they are those know why she became a single she, mom. Correct, yeah. Why she moved and why she changed schools. And so we already talked about the impact of divorce is, is statistically more on the women in, in regardless of any society you go on. Most times they're the custodial parents. Sometimes they have to move and change schools because of, of, of situations. And so right. when we then, you're doing that, trying to get your kids, whatever, the best education, you're working full-time sometimes outside of the home. You're not able to make all the parent-teacher meetings. And then the times you show up, all the other moms have clicked out. And it is, it is harmful to that woman who's going through this, who's trying to grow, who's processing the divorce, trying to be a great parent. It is harmful to the kid because people ostracize. Sometimes people ostracize kids. I had my kids lost friends during our divorce process because I don't know what it is. Like they don't want the single mom in their home, or they think. Now wait, wait, because you talked about it in your book. Wait, you talked about that. They think now. Why don't they want the single mom, Doctor Toy? Tell us that because you you talked about. You know, (laughs) (laughs) all she does is all she does is want your man. Clearly, right? (laughs) I mean, she gonna take your man. (laughs) I mean, it's ridiculous. And people, and you know what? And I, I heard it on one of your, you know, one of your, your po- probably more than one of your podcasts or things mm-hmm. you've done. If you think about what is it that makes people other, other people or, 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 or kind of exclude them, it's out of fear, right? Out a lot of times people are looking, if they don't know what happened and you're not out there blabbing your business, they're looking and thinking, wow, if they got divorced, they seem just like us, like, you know, on the outside, everybody looks good. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors. So sometimes it's a fear of like, oh my God, if they got divorced, that could be us. So let me just not, right? Sometimes yeah. people tell their spouses, I don't want you hanging out with that woman because now she's single. You know, she's, she got a rotating uh-huh. group of men just in and out. She might influence or, you. Right? Or right. people feel sometimes like, you know, you're just thirsty and desperate and you're out there trying to get oh their man. God. No. Or sometimes, you know, because people, all they know is statistics about kids of divorce or saying they're like, I want my kids hanging around them or the kids are asking questions. And so it's uncomfortable and they just pull away. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of things, but we as women 
have to support each other. Women that do the best have a network. And that's why it's important have even a for a single, a for your, for your, yeah, for your, for your listeners who are um, single or it's important that women maintain the network of, of friends or girlfriends. It doesn't have to be a large network. People, even after you get into a relation, you don't want to be that friend who the minute you're dating someone, you know, nobody can reach you anymore mm-hmm. until you need someone. You know, you need to make sure and, and good girlfriends understand when you're married and you're in a relationship that maybe you can't hang out every weekend. But you also need to nurture those friendships because they're going to be important all through life. We're all going to go through ups and downs. There are going to be times that you really need to reach out. You don't want to have to call people after years of not talking to them. So it's important that women support women. And especially when you have children, that we all want the best for our kids. And so when we now project on them and we judge them, and it, it just, it doesn't make, it doesn't, if it makes you feel better to judge other people, there's a problem you need you to work on. You have a deep problem within yourself. Correct. <laughs> so let's kind of go over to the other side of okay. divorce now, because I know you wrote the book 12 years after mm-hmm. your divorce was done. So mm-hmm. in this book is 12 years of lessons. I'm sure a lot of things that you maybe could have done yes. more efficiently to save you I time and energy yes. and, and all that yes. good stuff. Yes. So then at a certain point, um, some women, some divorced mothers are going to want to start remarry. They're yes. going to say, you know what? My heart is open now. I think I'm ready yes. to give it another shot. And then that's mm-hmm. when it kind of gets sticky because your, your oh, children, my gosh. other yes. parent may or may not already be repartnered. Um, mm-hmm. So then how is a woman supposed to navigate that? Do you tell your kids, dad, like, what do you tell the kids? How is a mom, um, a divorced mom? Like what's I what's ideal and I know that's such a general statement but (laughs) I guess you're a doctor so I'm gonna say best practice what's Uh, okay (laughs) what can just generally speaking when you know when we're talking about introducing Mm -hmm. other people and growing our family Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's important so again it all comes down to knowing yourself and knowing what you want right that's point number one and not rushing into anything and never settling and I have parts in the book about that Knowing yourself allows you to know when you're ready, how you want to date, what kind of relationships you're talking about. Is it short-term, long-term? Is this, I'm going straight for marriage? Am I just looking to have fun? And knowing who you are going into that. So that's, you know, you've taken that time. And you talked about that. My heart is now open. You know, you're not doing it because your ex moved on. Sometimes we do that. Like, oh, he moved on. So I got to move on. He's dating. I got to date. You know, you're not doing it because your family is telling you that. You're not doing it for any reason except you are ready. And you're also not going to settle. And not settling is somebody who is saying, you know what? I am more than my divorce and I am not a less than. Yes, I am a divorced mom. And yes, I have kids, but I am not less than. Because when you project that, you know, I am less than, you're going to attract what you project out there. So you have to know that you are worthy of any, you know, whoever you choose to, to come into your space is worthy of your time. Right. Yes. Because you got to you're taking care of kids, you're doing all this stuff. So you can't then take on something that's going to be more work than anything else. You've got to really think about who's sharing your time and your space and your energy. But that's also knowing yourself and knowing that you're ready and not rushing, going on your timeline, your reason and knowing if this is just fun, if this is casual, know that if you're looking for serious, know that don't listen to other people do what you need to do. 
But one of the things I talk about also is being safe during that process, right? Mm-hmm. Especially okay. when you have children. When you have children, yes, you really so much, have so much to stake. be. Oh my gosh! And I, I, I don't know if it was because I watched so much Lifetime or whatever. <laughs> I'm always like thinking like, about. Like I don't want to come across a crazy stalker, right? A crazy stalker or somebody, yeah. you know, there's, believe it or not, there's a lot of abuse that happens, sexual abuse and physical abuse and things that happen to children. And sometimes oh. the hardest ones are the ones that happen because of somebody that your mother brought into your life. I, 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 I'm, I'm, adult, I'm an adult physician and I, I have people who are dealing with traumas and, you know, trauma happens in a whole bunch of different experiences, but the ones that are real hard, really hard to let go of and heal from are the ones where the person who was supposed to protect you is who brought that person into your life. And they may not even have known or may have known about it or most times didn't know about it. But so as women, especially, we have to be extra protective of our children, regardless of their sex, regardless of their gender. We have yes. to be careful yes. because um, there are because out here. They, they, they there are mothers. And, and there are some people that do that and we have to be extra careful and our intuition is always correct. So we have to, during that time, one of the things divorce allows you to do is, you know, hone in and really, because you have to be in tune with your kids. You should always be as a, as a, as a mom anyway, but really paying attention to both their verbal and nonverbal cues. Some kids will tell you upright what's up. Some people, some kids just go quiet. Some act out more, some become withdrawn. But if your God is telling you something's off and there's somebody else in the picture, really listen to you and default on the side of your kids and figure out, you know, sometimes women, we kind of ignore those flags, those warning signs sometimes because of, of what that relationship is doing to, you know, is it completing a picture of what you want? Is it, is it the stability of what you want? Whatever it is, but really protect, being very protective and listening for our kids and listening and paying attention to them. So that's really important. And making yes. sure that we're not just bringing people in and out of their lives. Because kids get very emotionally attached very they quickly. Do. And they do. So you want to make sure that this person is legit. There is not a timeline. But you just want to make sure that it's not somebody. If you know it's casual and it's fun. Then then don't, you know, they get attached very quickly. So it's very important. And, you know, it helps if you can have a discussion with your co-parent about, you know, who the kids are introduced to just so that, you know, there's a heads up and all that. Sometimes it doesn't happen. They just go over and they're like, oh, this person was there. You're like, oh, okay, I guess, you know, this person's dating. Mm-hmm. But but it's important to be, be cognizant of that and just really take time. Take time for yourself. Know what it is that you want. Don't go on anybody's timeline. Do it for the right reasons. Think about your children if they're in the house and they're still young and protecting protecting them, their emotions and their physical space. And just knowing that um, you deserve, you deserve the best that life has to offer. And you don't have to settle. Yeah, you don't. You, you don't. don't have to settle. And then finally, do, and, and I guess, you know, when you said you're building your circle, and then I'm pretty sure you have a very strong network at this point mm-hmm. of, you know, women that were kind of in your system, because, you know, we always have yes. to find our tribe. And yes, Ooh, do you I think that because I didn't have a divorce, tribe. you didn't have to have a tribe in that manner. And then you're like, Oh, my gosh, let me find my wow. people. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed amongst single mothers, divorce moms, you know, especially with knowing that you need to be protective? Do you give much thought to your child's parent 
recoupling, getting remarried, finding a new, finding a new partner, how much mm-hmm. equity should, is, does that take up in the mind of a mom and how much equity should it take up? Hmm. Wow. That, that's an excellent question. So obviously during, as that uncoupling starts and you know, during the divorce process, if you are using attorneys and coming up with a parenting agreement, it's important to put certain things in there if you can, in terms of, you know, not just where they live and the child support and, mm. and who gets who for holidays and all that. If you can, in terms of, you know, when they're with you or with their, with the other parents um, and you have to work or whatever, who is it that is taking care of them? I need to, you know, there's going to be a sitter or somebody who is it? Is it your family? Who's, you know, just so you know who your kids are around. Yeah. And also when they do couple up, I think it is extremely important. If that person in your co-parent's life, is not just a casual date, somebody that is a significant other in their lives and they're going to be a part of your children's lives. There is the process of accepting that this person is here to stay and figuring out how you're going to make that work. Or you can go along the route of battling and bad mouthing and, and trying to make your kids not like them. And you end up hurting yourself. You hurt yourself and you hurt the kids when you do that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not easy to, to see your co-parent or your ex move on before mm-hmm. you're ready to move on. But you also have to realize that you cannot control that process. Yeah. And Can't if they control. have a significant other that your children will be spending time with, if you try to antagonize or go after that person, right? That yeah. person um, is, it's, you're actually hurting yourself. You're hurting the kids because you're putting on due pressure on them. They may actually like that person, right? They may like their the new stepmom or their dad's uh, significant other. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're making them have to choose sides. Sometimes because there's so much conflict every time with, between you and, and, and the stepmom, all of a sudden, you know, there might be, your, your children might be treated very differently when they go over there because that person is taking it out Ooh, on them. That is them. a scary the, thing. Right? Not every right? woman is fair. You know, there's... Right. Not, not every woman is able to say, okay, you know what? My step your mom is, just, is really yeah. hurting right now. That's why she's being a bitch. And some people really will treat your children bad because they don't have, they have a negative relationship with you. And it's like me, for example, I would make sure, you know, if I was in the case where my kids had a stepmom, I'd be like, girl, look, let's go out to tea. Here's here's their sizes. Mm-hmm. Come pick them up when you want to. Here's my phone number. Call me if there's a problem. You know, just right. keeping that open line of communication because your because children are so helps, vulnerable. Correct. And that helps your kids. If they're spending time there, you know, you want them to feel as comfortable as they can. Sometimes the dad or the other parent may actually choose to spend less time because every time there's conflict, and all that, you know, then he has to deal with, you know, what the fallout of that. So that's hurting your kids. And yeah. also when the kids get older sometimes and they start to realize these things, they actually resent, they may resent you for putting them through so much trauma. They have to lie about their highs or what they were feeling when they were at dad's place because, you know, they're not supposed to be happy over there. So they're, they're suppressing their emotions. They're trying to edit what they tell you. That's not a good thing, Right. So yeah. it's important to know that. And also, if you're spending that much time focused on what your co-parent is doing with their personal life, it's going to take away your opportunity for growth. It's going yeah. to take away your opportunity for you to, to open up your heart because you have a part of your brain that is just sitting there just 
obsessing about somebody else. And it's right. also going to necessarily, if, if, especially if you're really antagonistic to, to that person, it's, it's not going to help you be a better person. It, it, there will be an amount of bitterness that comes with that. Doesn't mean all of these things are easy. And everyone's default is different in terms of where you were, how the divorce happened, how horrible the marriage was before it ended. All of these things are different. So I'm not, you know, we're not trying to paint, a, oh, it's easy to be the cool um, co-parent and all that. But right. if you put the, if you think about it as I'm trying to put the kids first and I want to grow from this process, I want to say, I look back five years from now, two years from now, a year from now and say, wow, whew, journaling, oh, journaling is amazing. I wrote yes. so many things that you go back and read it, you're like, wow, that was, was that me? You know, like you, you, you want to be able to see that you're not stuck. Five years later, you're reading a journal. And you're like, this is still where I am. That's Ooh, not a good thing. Because you're like, I have not grown. Of, that is that's scary. five years of your life, right? That's yes. five years of your life. Of I mean, your whole you know life. Right. Wasted. And we only got one. <laughs> we only got one. Mm, so that mm. one life, that's, that's my motto. It's one life. You got to live the best of it. it and so you want to. Yes. yes, it is short. It is short. Yes. And the kids Dr. will grow Toy. up. Oh my goodness. Kids, this has been they, such <laughs> yeah, this has been such an amazing conversation. Um we oh, could go I've enjoyed it. Right? <laughs> but we don't have that type of time. So tell these people that want to hear um more from you, want to see more of your work, grab your book, where and how they can find you and support you. Oh, thank you so much, Nat. I have had a great time talking to you. Yes, we could gab for a while. The book is called The Decade After Thriving After Divorce, uh, Tips on Staying Positive and Getting Better, Not Better, um, by Tony for Lucy, MD. It's available on um, Amazon and it's available as a, um, a print, a Kindle audiobook. It's also available on my website, um, www.thedecadeafter, one word, thedecadeafter.com. Um, also on Instagram at Dr. Tfal, Dr. Tfal. Um, and I also have a podcast. I started podcasting um, last fall. Um, yes. It's called 10 Minutes, 10 Minutes with TM Fowl. And it's available on Spotify, iTunes, all the, all the platforms. And short, 10 minute stuff talking about different things. We talk about everything that I want to talk about. I talk about infectious disease stuff, HIV and STI. Oh, we didn't even talk about that in the, on our podcast. Yes. But it's in the book. When you start dating, you got to stay safe. You got to think about prep. You got to think yes. about getting your sexual health in, on point and making sure you're protecting yourself when you're back in the dating world. But um, so I have a podcast, 10 Minutes with TM Fowl. And um, I really, I do blog, I do guest uh, podcasts on other people's sites, just talking about things that empower women and just, you know, creating boundaries, knowing yourself, doing introspection on yourself, how to, how to um, thrive and just things like that. So, yes. yes. So, awesome. Yes. awesome. <laughs> well, Dr. Toy, thank you so much for joining. I know I'm crazy with Naja Hall. We will see you all Tuesday after next. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, everything Naja Hall, visit NajaHall.com to listen to this podcast yes. and everything else I have going on. We'll see you guys very, very soon. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. Naja Hall.